No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Job replies to Bildad. Can anyone be righteous before Almighty God? Job longs for a mediator to stand between him and God. If only Job knew the one to come. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Job chapter 9 on Simply the Bible. In chapter 8, Bildad, one of Job's three friends, presents his case against Job. Bad things only happen to bad people. If Job were pure, then God would bless him, for he does not cast away the blameless. Now, Job responds to Bildad's argument. We continue in Job chapter 9. Then Job answered and said, Truly I know it is so, but how can a man be righteous before God? If one wished to contend with him, he could not answer him one time out of a thousand. Job makes the point, how can anybody be righteous before God? And that is true. The Bible tells us that there is no one who is righteous. No, not one. There's none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. You see, there is a myth of man's goodness. But the reality of it is, is that no matter how good we think that we are, compared to a holy and just God, we all come up short. We've all sinned and fallen short of his glory. We've broken his commandments. So Job's absolutely right. How could one really be righteous before God? Now, Job imagines here a courtroom scene in which he is facing God as the prosecutor and also the judge. And how can he make a defense before the holy God? He just knows There's nothing he can do. So he said, verse 4, God is wise in heart and mighty in strength. Who has hardened himself against him and prospered? You know, we could say here that resistance is futile when it comes to God. If you harden yourself against him, you only do so to your own demise. And so Job says, nobody's done that and prospered. God removes the mountains and they do not know when he overturns them in his anger. He shakes the earth out of its place, and its pillars tremble. He commands the sun, and it does not rise. Now, I haven't seen that one yet. He seals off the stars. He alone spreads out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. He made the bear, Orion, and the Pleiades, the constellations, and the chambers of the south. He does great things past finding out, yes, wonders without number. So God is so powerful. You know, how can I stand against him when he's created all of these things in nature? If he goes by me, I do not see him. If he moves past, I do not perceive him. So not only is Job facing this all-powerful one who's contending with him in Job's mind, but he's invisible. He's like an invisible adversary. So what chance does he have? If he takes away, who can hinder him? Who can say to him, what are you doing? God will not withdraw his anger. The allies of the proud lie prostrate beneath him. You know, all we have to do is look at history. There has been no proud person who's been able to ultimately stand against God. You look at Nebuchadnezzar. 
you look at Hitler, you look at Mussolini, you look at all of these people throughout history that have, you know, tried to shake their fist at God and do whatever they wanted to do. And, and God crushes them all ultimately. And so he says, nobody can tell God, don't do this. Who are you? You can't do that. God is going to do what he's going to do. He's going to do it and nobody can hinder him. How then can I answer and choose my words to reason with him? For though I were righteous, I could not answer him. I would beg mercy of my judge. Now, Job is posing here a hypothetical situation where God would question him in court. But Job's point is, how can I answer him? Now, little did Job know that at the end of this argument between Job and his three friends, and then another guy at the end, that God will question Job with 77 questions, and Job will just say, you know, I'm shutting my mouth. I have nothing to say. He won't be able to answer any of them, just as he said here. So that's going to happen. Verse 16, if I called and he answered me, I would not believe that he was listening to my voice. So what guarantee do I have that he's even taking to heart my arguments? For he crushes me with a tempest and multiplies my wounds without cause. He will not allow me to catch my breath, but fills me with bitterness. Now we need to understand something here about Job. In all of this arguing about God and, and he, you know, Job feels like the whole thing's unfair and all this, the reality of it is Job's biggest concern is that he thought God was his friend. And now he questions that. He's concerned that God is his enemy, that rather than God being for him, God is against him. And that's the thing that rattles Job more than anything else. That's the worst suffering of all, even more so than his health, even more so than losing everything. It's not knowing if God is his friend or his foe. Now, he said, if it's a matter of strength, indeed, he is strong. And if it's justice, well, who will appoint my day in court? So if it was just an adversary that's just all powerful, going to crush me, then nothing I can do about that. But if it's an adversary that's going to face me in court, well, then who's going to set the court date for me to appear in court with God? Though I were righteous, my own mouth would condemn me. Though I were blameless, it would prove me perverse. Again, Job has such an awareness that in spite of the fact that he's blameless as far as his knowledge, that if he were standing before the holy and just God, even his own mouth would be corrupt, and he knows it. His speech would be perverse in the light of one so holy. And that, that is so true. Our, our speech is corrupt, all of us. And none of us could ultimately stand in that situation. The words that we would say would just turn and condemn us. Verse 21, I am blameless, yet I do not know myself. I despise my life. Now, you could say, well, Job, are you really blameless? Well, actually, God said that he was. Not sinless, but nothing to stick against him as far as uh, humans go. There was nobody like Job, no one who shunned evil, who was blameless, who feared God like Job. And so Job is correct here. God had also said that. Yet Job also knows that he doesn't know himself. I don't know myself. See, the thing is, is that we can think that we're blameless. We can be unaware of sin. And yet God shows up and say, well, you know, what about this area here? You didn't see this. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're right. I didn't see that. And that is why we have to say, God, search my heart. 
You know, that's why Paul said, look, I don't even judge myself. It's the Lord who judges me because we're a little bit too blind to see sometimes uh, the faults that God has to show us. Um, So, but he said, you know, I despise my life. It is all one thing. Therefore, I say he destroys the blameless and the wicked. If the scourge slays suddenly, he laughs at the plight of the innocent. The earth is given into the hand of the wicked. He covers the faces of its judges. So here he comes to this conclusion. I mean, he's he's tried to do everything he can think of to live blamelessly before God, and yet all of this has happened. So he comes to the conclusion that God destroys the blameless and wicked equally. It's it's sort of like looking at this coronavirus right now. I mean, oh, is it killing righteous people? Yes. Is it killing wicked people? Yes. It doesn't have any discrimination about who it takes out. But then Job says, if the scourge slays suddenly, he laughs at the plight of the innocent. Now, now he's going too far, okay? How does he know that God is actually laughing at the plight of the innocent? And he says, the earth is given into the hand of the wicked. The problem is that Job is looking at all this through the lens of time. The reality of it is God does judge the wicked. He will punish the wicked and he will justify the righteous. But God takes a long time to do that. And Job is seeing just this section of time and making the judgment about God when really the issue is he's not waiting long enough to get to the end of the story because the earth is not going to go to the wicked. Jesus said that the meek shall inherit the earth. Those who trust God will inherit the earth. Now he said, my days are swifter than a runner. They flee away. They see no good. They pass by like swift ships, like an eagle swooping on its prey. Job realized that his days were numbered. He wasn't going to live much longer like this. If I say I will forget my complaint, I will put off my sad face and wear a smile, I am afraid of all my sufferings. Now, Job is going to give three responses here of, of how he can handle this. First off would just be denial. I, I will forget my complaint. I'll take off my sad face. I'll put on a happy face. The problem with that is I'm afraid of all my sufferings. I'm afraid God's not done with me yet. The more suffering's coming down the pike. Then he said, I know that you will not hold me innocent. If I am condemned, why then do I labor in vain? So the second response would be for him to do what he's always done, which is to labor in righteousness. But he said, look, you're not going to hold me innocent. You, I have no guarantee that you will hold me innocent. So if I'm condemned then, then why continue to labor in righteousness? It's, it's just laboring in vain. Then he said, if I wash myself with snow water and cleanse my hands with soap, yet you will plunge me into the pit and my own clothes will abhor me. So the third thing he could do would be to try to wash and cleanse himself, but then he would still be thrown into the pit and his flesh would be so corrupted, even his clothes would rebel and not want to stay on him. Uh, They would abhor his body. For he is not a man as I am, that I may answer him. And that we should go to court together, nor is there any mediator between us who may lay his hand on us both. Let him take his rod away from me and do not let dread of him terrify me. Then I would speak and not fear him, but it is not so with me. So Job points out four problems here. First off, the problem of disparity. Job says he is not a man as I am. There's this difference here. 
We can't go to court together. He's altogether higher than me, you see. Then he said, there's no mediator between us. I have no representation, no advocate in court. And then he said, you know, let him take his rod away from me. Let not the dread of him terrify me. This idea that Job had this ceaseless suffering and fear. And then finally, he said, I would speak and not fear him, but it is not so with me. I can't go before him and make my case. There's no accessibility here. There is no court with me and God where I can make my defense. Those four problems, and yet all of these are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Because we are told in 1 Timothy 2.5 that there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Job said, oh, that there was a mediator that could stand between God and me, you know, and, and that is Jesus. He is our mediator who puts his hand on both of us. Job was anticipating this. He, he longed for it. He longed to be able to stand before God, but he knew that he couldn't do it on his own. He needed a mediator. And little did he know he was speaking of Jesus Christ from afar. He didn't know him yet personally, but he could see that that was what he needed. Job, as he struggled through these problems, through his suffering, through the sovereignty of God, he was coming to the enlightenment, and that enlightenment was Jesus Christ. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Tomorrow we'll see that in his reply to Bildad, Job questions God. Why do you contend with me? Why do you create me only to destroy me? We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Job on Simply the Bible.